Week 12, when God sends you. Continuing in our study of Acts, I want to give you a little bit of a recap of last week's message called Positional Living. I got a lot of good feedback. Everyone said that that was a great message, a powerful message. I've even gotten uh, people have told me that they've written songs um, because of last week's message. So that's, it's been pretty cool. There's a little bit of a ring. I'm sure you guys hear upstairs, but thank you, um, team up there. Our last week's message was called Positional Living. I talked about how we need to live according to our position as sons and daughters of God in the kingdom, perfected unto righteousness rather than just our conditions that surround us, that we are who we are based off of who he is, and we are to live positionally rather than being moved by every condition that presents itself. And we just saw last week that Peter, even though his conditions said to stay in Jerusalem because all the conditions were there were death threats to the believers there were stoning Stephen got stoned and died there were multiple arrests all these conditions were saying Peter you need to stay put when God said Peter it's time to go Peter went because he was not going to make a decision based off of everything around me looks like I need to stay when God said go he was going to trust that God's way and God's voice was better than anything he saw because his shifts were according to his position. God was like, where, 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 where I go, you go. I want you to go where I want you to go, and that's just, that's just it. When I move, you move, just like that. Not, 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 not based off of the condition, but based off of the position. We saw that Peter traveled. He healed the crippled man. He, he healed the girl um, who was in, in her deathbed. And he ended, up, he ended up in this place where conditionally he should not have been. So I want to read the last two verses of last week's Acts chapter 9 to make sure we understand the context going into Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to be tonight. So again, Peter ends up in a place conditionally he should not have been. Acts 9, 42-43. The news spread, again, all these healings were happening, and then all the people started to believe in Jesus. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. According to the laws of the time, I said this last week, but I want to go through it again. Everyone said that they loved how last week's sermon was 35 minutes and the week before was 48 minutes. Well, I'm making up for lost time, so this week's sermon might be 75 minutes. So just buckle up, sit down, get comfortable. And if you log off that Facebook or YouTube stream, God's going to smite you. But according to the laws of the time, a tanner, someone who treated skins of animals to produce leather and, and, and all those things, they had to live 75 feet outside of a village because... A tanner was constantly unclean. So because he was stripping the skins all the time of the animals, it was forbidden to associate with anyone who routinely worked with the animals. Peter was becoming less concerned with Jewish tradition and ceremony. The more he walked with Jesus, the more he walked in his calling. And he became more concerned about being positioned according to the work of God. I wish the church would get more concerned about where we are according our... To our position versus off of our condition that positionally if we are sons and daughters of God we need to start walking as sons and daughters of God Peter has listened to God and he has ended up in a place where he should not be he doesn't know why and I want to make us aware that a lot of times we end up in places 
and we don't know why we end up there. And we start saying things. How did I get here? Why am I here? What have I done? What has brought me here? How can God use this? Well, this is where Peter's at. Peter has gone from a faithful man who's walked with Jesus for three years, and now he's in the most conditionally trying time, and he ends up in a place where he should not be because of his Jewish background. He should not be associating with a man who dealt with uncleanliness. Well, coming in Acts chapter 10, in verses 1 and 2, it says this. And again, this is while Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. I want to set up the context. Remember, Peter is staying with a tanner, an unclean person, someone he should not have been with. Now we come in Acts chapter 10 talking about this Roman officer named Cornelius. You see, Caesarea was a predominantly Roman city on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea in Judea. In fact, it was the headquarters of the Roman governor of Judea. Cornelius, being an officer of the Roman army, had something working against him when it came to the Jewish people. Jewish people would not have liked Cornelius. Why? He was a Gentile. He wasn't fully Jewish. The Gentile at this time in the Roman capacity, a typical Roman would have been exposed to many, many gods. It's called um, uh, be, being polytheistic, the belief in many gods. If you know anything about Roman, uh, the, 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 the theology of the time, they believed in you know, the, the, the gods of Apollo and Ju you know, Jupiter. I'm getting the Roman and Greek mixed up, but many, many gods. But at this time, these Roman Gentiles, a Gentile being anyone not of the Jewish faith, if you are not Jewish, we are considered Gentiles. That's who we are. Um, the, 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 there, there were Gentiles and the Ro of the Romans who were exposed to Judaism, and some Gentiles move from a polytheistic view of many gods to a monotheistic view of one God. Cornelius was in this category of a Gentile who believed in the God of Israel, the same God that the Jewish people believed in, the same God that we believe in. But in the eyes of Jewish custom and tradition, they could not at this time share their life, share their homes, or even share their food because of one thing. He was a Gentile. He was not fully Jewish. He was not truly one of them. So you've got the context of Peter staying with an unclean man, and then Acts 10 starts off talking about this Roman officer who's not Jewish, that Jewish people don't want to have anything to do with, and he's worshiping the same God they are. Check out verses 3 through 6. Well, one afternoon about 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock significant because that would have been the time that even the Jewish people got together to pray. He was honoring the customs even though he wasn't a Jew. One afternoon about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. I, I can only imagine what an angel would have sounded like. Maybe, you know, like, 
Cornelius, or like, or maybe it's just a beautiful voice, or maybe it was like, like fire, like I don't even know how to say that, and I would embarrass myself if I did. But the angel said, Cornelius. I love verse 4. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? <laughs> That's the scripture. Cornelius is like, yep, what, 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 what you got? <laughs> well, the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. There is something about what you give as an offering without even knowing you're giving it to God. The Bible says when you serve the least of these, you serve me. So every time you walk out in public or every time you're in your home and you're serving the person that you can't stand to look at, when you're serving the least of these, it is an acceptable offering to God if you're serving out of the right heart. He says, God has received your offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Look at the picture of what's going on right now. You've got a Roman army officer worshiping a Jewish God who was just commanded to go to a home of a man that no one was supposed to associate with to see a man he did not know who, by the way, was Jewish and by the custom of the world would not associate with him. And yet we're surprised when God calls you to things that are not easy. You've got this entire context of nothing should be lining up. Peter shouldn't have been with an unclean tanner. The Roman officer shouldn't have been worshiping uh, the, the one true God. He don't, need, he don't have any business going into a tanner's house. He ain't got any business associating with Jewish people. He certainly ain't got any business trying to go out and find a man that he didn't know that he had in a vision from an angel that no one believed him was true. And the context is crazy. God calls us to things that are not easy. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway, the highway to hell, the highway to hell is broad. I'm sorry. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, not just narrow, very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. I love how the scripture gets real. It's going to be a difficult road. It's going to be a difficult path. The gateway into God's kingdom is not going to come easy. It's full of difficult decisions. It's full of navigating into places that you might not want to go to. It's full of losing baggage. Just being real, some of y'all can't get through the gate because you've got too much baggage that's preventing you from fitting through. You're holding on to the past. You're holding on to circumstances. You're holding on to what did what to who and who did this to you and how you grew up as a kid and what this person did and what that person Lose the baggage. You're not fitting through the gate. You're not fitting through the very narrow path to God's kingdom. God says, forget everything else and focus on me and come to me. Forgive those who persecute you. Forgive those who've done wrong to you. Come to me and I don't need all this other stuff. I just need you. I have bought you. I have perfected you. I have made you right. I don't need the other stuff. Why are you holding on to what I have loosed you from? Very difficult circumstances. Well, in Acts 10, verse 7, 
and 8, as soon as the angel is gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. See, when you send someone in your name, it represents you and your reputation regardless if you're there or not. You see, the angel came into the vision to Cornelius and said, God wants you to send forth. I want you to send someone to go get Simon Peter. Because when you send them, they're going to represent who you are. Cornelius received the angel as God's voice. Why? Because God sent a messenger, and when the messenger of God speaks, you receive that messenger as God because it's a representation. That's how a kingdom works. In a kingdom, you don't always see the king. But when you hear the decree of a king, it's just as good as if you were in his presence. So God sending an angel represented him, so Cornelius took it as God's voice. The men Cornelius sent to get Peter, Peter would recognize, I've got to go not because of these men, but Cornelius. I'm recognizing it's a representation of this man. When Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit. Because when we're sent, we represent him. When God sends you, it's not for your glory. It's not for your platform. It's not so that people see how good you are or how, uh, how, how great of a speaker you are. It's not for people to see how good you are at your gift. It's not for people to see an amazing talent. It's for one purpose. I send you to represent me so that when they see you and they hear you, they see and hear one thing, God. 2 Corinthians 5, 19-21 says this, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You see what just happened there? We speak for Christ. When we speak, we represent him. How well do you represent your God? When you tell the world that you believe in him, when you tell the world we need to get back. For God made Christ, verse 21, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Why do we need to get made right? Because God needed to send a representative of him throughout the earth. And he could not do that through one. He needs to do it through many. When God sends you, it's for one purpose, to represent him well because he paid a high price to buy the rights for you, which we claim we accept. Salvation is this. I surrender my life to you. That's my response to you saving me. God wants to use you. He wants to send you. He wants to work through you. But there is a price. And he needs you to surrender yourself to the call. A church on fire says, 
yes to the sacrifice of the sin. When God sends you, are you willing to sacrifice it all? There's a very popular scripture when it comes to when God sends you, when God calls you, the price of, that you have to pay to follow Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. We love to do that in church. Churches love to put out how many people accepted Jesus today. And they say a prayer, and churches celebrate that 20 people got saved, and no one follows up the 20 people. All they want is numbers and to share statistics about, we got 30 people saved this Sunday and 25 people saved that Sunday. Well, what's next? I will, I'll follow you. Everyone loves, oh, I'll follow Jesus. I'll follow you. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, well, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. I'm going to get back to that scripture because that is preached wrong in the church. I've heard that sermon preached wrong. So many, a lot of preachers, they take, that, they take that scripture and talk about Jesus was homeless and Jesus was poor. That is not what that scripture means. Y'all want to know what that scripture means? We're going to go there. Verse 59, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, someone say, but first. Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, that's a pretty, pretty big call for Jesus to be like that bold to say, no, 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 no. You ain't, count, you ain't got time to bury your daddy. You ain't got time to say goodbye to your family. Why? Because the gate is what? Narrow. He's saying, when God sends you, you've got to go. And the but first has to die. There are so many of us that God says, I want to send you, and we always respond with, but first, let me take care of this. But first, let me get this in order. What if God is sending you now because he needs you to get out of what you are saying, but first? What if you're taking care of something that God doesn't want you to take care of? What if you're trying to mend a loose end that God says, that has nothing to do with you anymore? But we say, but first. That scripture, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. It is not talking about the poverty of Jesus. That word head there where Jesus says, I have no place to lay my head, is actually the word meaning authority. The Bible says the church is called the body of Christ. So when Jesus says, I'm looking for a place to lay my head, He's saying, I am looking for a place for my headship, my authority to rest on. And a church on fire is a body who has allowed his headship, his authority to rest on it. Think about your body. How does it move? It is all controlled by one place, your head. And the fact of the matter is the church 
has become something that's moving without the head. We try to do so much without seeking him. We strategize. We look at what's relevant. You know, it's funny how good business gets it. You, you think about business trends. It's all revolving. I, I, was, I was in Home Depot the other day, the only place where you can go in COVID-19, and I saw a little refrigerator look like it was from the 1950s. I said, what the heck is that? They said, it's coming back in to style. It's funny how the business gets it. Clothes are going back. Products are going back. But the church is still trying to come up with something new. When the Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. We're trying to have revival when the biggest revival happened with people who didn't have technology. All they, and I know we're on technology now. It seems like a hypocrite, but just hear me out. All they did was sought God. There's nothing wrong with this. But we've used this as a replacement for seeking. We haven't submitted to the head. God, Jesus says, I can't find a place to rest my authority. I can't find a body that will let me tell it to go where I need it to go. Because when my father says, go, we in rebellion. Faith is even if it don't make sense, I'll trust in God. With that idea, let's reread a scripture that probably most of you know in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Think about that. Seek his will because when you are going to come to a decision, you're going to take a path that leads you to a, a broad gate or you'll take a path that leads you through a narrow gate. And you better trust in him because when he leads you through the narrow gate, it's going to be so narrow that there ain't going to be room for anything else. No butt first, no baggage, no, no, no. All he wants is, when I send you, you go. Peter had gone to a place he shouldn't have gone. Cornelius sent for a man he didn't know to a place people didn't like to associate with. Trusting in God and not depending on your own understanding means you realize more is going on than you can possibly realize, see, or imagine. Because watch what God is doing. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Now, if I was, now let's take a pause real quick. If I was Peter, and I was getting up to my 12 o'clock prayer time, and my belly started groaning because I was hungry, and God gave me a vision that said, go kill some stuff and eat it, I'd be like, all right, God. You know, if I'm praying and God says, you know, I see a vision of, you know, Little Caesar's pizza. And God says, Kyle, go get the I, I wouldn't have said, no, I need to watch my weight. I would have been like, yes, sir. I will get, I'll go get that supreme. 
I'll get those breadsticks, a little marinara sauce. Mmm. But look at what he's, <laughs> I'm being stupid. Look at verse 14, but look what Peter says. No, Lord, Peter declared. What? No, no God, I'm not going to kill anything. I, I'm hungry, but no. Look what he says. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God's made it clean. Do not call something unclean if God made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Now, you would have thought time two and three, Peter would have said yes eventually. The dude was hungry. God's saying, kill the animals. And Peter's like, no, my traditions and my custom won't allow me to follow you. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to heaven. I wonder how many times in seeking God, when God sends you, to do something, when God gives you an assignment, our first response is, that doesn't work with what I'm used to. That's not in my tradition. That's not in my schedule. That does not work for me, God. Think about this. Peter went to pray, got physically distracted with hunger, and God used what he was dealing with to speak to him in a vision to get his attention. Make no mistake, God will use what you're going through to get your attention, to draw you out of the situation and into his presence to transform your mind. We are in the midst of COVID-19 being bound to our homes and not wanting to go anywhere. Or not, not, not that we're not wanting to, but we're being asked to not go anywhere. And leading up to this, the church has said the same junk over and over and over. we got to seek God. We've got to get in his presence. And now that the nation is shut down and you've got plenty of time to seek God, the only thing we're seeking is when can we get back in the workplace and no one's seeking God. But all the preachers are getting online and talking about prophecies and talking about look at me, look at me, and look at me. And everyone's getting online. Oh, let me watch the preacher. Let me watch the preacher. Get off the preacher and get in the word yourself. You are good enough. You were made righteous. You were perfected unto it. Seek him. He is wanting to hear his son and daughter. Is that too much? Peter was a Jewish man by custom and tradition he was hungry God gave him a vision with acceptable foods that Jesus ate or that Jews ate and unacceptable kosher and unkosher they couldn't eat animals that were considered unclean Peter said God I can't go against our laws I cannot eat unclean and God says who are you to say that I can't take an unclean thing and make it worthy and half of you are sitting there tonight thinking Kyle I haven't begun to seek God in this time because you don't know what I'm going through and you don't know what my sin is and you don't know this and this and that. And God says, who are you to tell me that you ain't clean enough to talk to me? You got to remember, he bought you. He knew what he was doing. He knows all the stuff that you roll in. You know what an unclean animal? Someone that rolls in its own filth. 
He knows all the filth that you're rolling in. How dare you say you are unclean enough? You cannot tell God what he makes clean. Covered under the blood, washed as white as snow. Even Peter in his growing, remember he has, he's healed a crippled man, he has raised a girl from the dead, he has walked with Jesus. Even in all that, he has still got some growing to do. You are never at a place that you cannot learn to die a little more to the box that you put God in. Peter went and did unseen things. He endured prison. He healed the dead. And he still had an issue with eating the wrong food. So look what happens in Acts chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. I hope this is good. If you're on the live stream, just type out, this is good. And if it's not, don't type. Verse 17 through 20. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? I, I, I think to myself, like, was he an idiot? What do you mean, what could this vision mean? Well, just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Not Simon Peter's house, Simon the Tanner. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I have sent them. You notice in this moment, God did not tell Peter that a man named Cornelius had something that he needed to talk to him about. God said, I know you're trying to figure out the vision I just gave you, but right now, Without hesitation, there's three men downstairs. I sent them. Peter is still perplexed. He doesn't have the vision figured out. And in the middle of it, God says, go without hesitation. I've sent three men to you. And I think the reason God did that is because God knew, Peter, you still got some tradition that you need to die to. Because if Peter would have known it was Cornelius, all he would have saw, Roman governor or a Roman, Roman um, guard, he would have started thinking, oh, well, he's, not, he's a Gentile. I can't associate with him because he's still hung up on I can't eat unclean food. And when he sees a Gentile, all he sees is they're they not as clean as us Jewish people. He's still got it in him a little bit. And as I was reading this with the message that when God sends us, I thought to myself, you know, we usually hesitate just like Peter. When God sends us, we hesitate, one, when we don't know if it's God. Two, we get caught up in our traditions and customs to, and we try to line his voice up with ours. But three, and I, I, wanna, I really want y'all to listen to this part because I think a lot of us are here. In fact, I know the church is here. We get locked in a vision that we're trying to figure out when the answer could be found in the going of the sin of your next assignment. The church spends way too much time trying to figure out visions before we go, not realizing that when you go, you may understand the vision in your next step. Everyone's trying to decipher, oh, I got this vision. We've got to bring the church together, and we've got to figure out what the vision means, and we've got to figure out what, what the, 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 the color means and, and the, the, this and the dream. And, the, and God's like, I gave it to you for a reason. Don't discount that. But don't limit my sin based off of when you figure it out. 
because my ways are way above yours. My thoughts are way above yours. And you may not get that until you go. And because you won't go, you're going to be stuck in a vision that was meant for a 12 o'clock prayer meeting. He said, Peter, without hesitation, get up and go. I know you hadn't figured it out. Get up and go. This all right? Acts 10, 21 through 23. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? Now remember, Peter knows God sent him. They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he could hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, and the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Can you imagine what's going on in Peter's mind? Think about the conditions. Arrests, death threats, people dying, all because they believe in Jesus. Peter's thinking probably, so first God wants me to eat unclean animals, and now he's sending a bunch of unclean Gentiles and Roman soldiers to give me an assignment. And there could have been risk. For all he knew, these guys could have been lying. Could have been a, a Roman whatever to try to get Peter down. That's why God says, I... I sent. And think about what happened that night. In one household, Roman soldiers, Gentiles, Jews, and a tanner that no one was supposed to associate with all stayed under the same roof. All out of what God aligned because when God sent them, they went. A church on fire is a body that does not look all the same. The only same is this. We were sent. We were called. And that's something I'm beginning to understand more and more. I was pondering on this this week about the Church of America. And there are so many different churches that have so many different cultures. And usually if you go in a church within about five or ten minutes, you pretty much know the culture of that church. If I can just be real. You know if it's a white church, you know if it's a black church. You know if it's a Hispanic church, you know if it's an Asian church, whatever the race may be. You know if it's a young church, you know if it's an old church. You know if it's a poor church, you know if it's a rich church. You pretty much know the dynamic of the culture of the church within five You know what kind of music is going to be based off of what you see when you walk in. That's pretty much the culture of the church. You know if there's order, there's going to be excellence. But there may be a lack of freedom. In the flow. And the churches that flow don't have any excellence. They don't have any order. For the most part. That's pretty much the dynamic of the church. And I was, think, I was, I was thinking that and looking at this scripture, I'm beginning to understand more and more. You know, we don't have to all look the same or, or have the same style or the same preference. There's all kind of people relentless. I think it's going to be a lot different as we grow. And I'm beginning to understand this person may look and believe God speaks to them in a way that I think is absolutely crazy. But that does not mean God does not speak to them that way. My apostolic call is not to discount how they heard God's voice. My apostolic call is to bring how they heard it into order. 
a pastoral call is to pastor the person. It's not to, well, that's not how I hear God, therefore you must not hear God. We've got to get out of that. This, this, this right here, this meeting, with all these people that shouldn't be together, that's how the church is supposed to look. A bunch of people that shouldn't be together that are for some reason unified because of him. Not unified because of taste, not unified because of culture. Unified because of what he sent us. Well, picking up in verses 24 through 27, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. So Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where other, many others were assembled. I want to pause here. Honor and worship are two very different things. Never confuse the two. And I believe a lot of people worship preachers instead of honoring them, which is why their faith is shaken when they find their preacher in a fall. Don't, don't worship a man. Honor. Verse 28 through 36. Peter told them, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. And look what he says. But God has shown me I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Look at that. When God sends you, don't object. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Well, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Three o'clock somewhere. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon a Tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once. And it was good for you to come. And now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message of the Lord has given you. And then Peter replied, I see very, clear, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and he accepts those who do what is right. This is the message of good news to the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. At this moment, Peter understands the vision of the sheet with all the animals, the clean and the unclean. He says, oh, I stayed in an unclean man's house. A Gentile who was not a Jewish man of Israel, God spoke to him while God was speaking to me. God told him to come get me. And I'm a Jew. I came to a Gentile's home. Many of these Gentiles are waiting. And God spoke to this Gentile just like me. And all they want to do is hear a message of the Lord. And Peter says, I get it now. I can't call unclean what God has made clean. 
Just because they're not Jewish doesn't mean they're not clean. Just because he skins highs doesn't mean he's not clean. Just because my customs and traditions and maybe some of my beliefs are a little different, it doesn't mean they're not clean. He says, I get it now. There's no favorites. I can no longer regard men as impure or unclean based off of my traditions because God has no favorites. The message of God is not just for the Jews. The message of God is not just for the nation of Israel. The nation of God is for all people. There are no favorites. There, he is the Lord of all. He understands now. It's not about Israel, the nation. Israel is the name of all of the people of God. And church, and all of you Pentecostals and prophetic people... You're praying for Israel the nation. It's not about Israel the nation. Israel is the people of God because there is no Jew or Gentile. It's we are the people of God. It's all the people of God. There is no clean and unclean. We are the people of God. We are Israel. I know that might have been a little bold, and if you don't like it, turn it off. Think about what's happened. Peter saw a vision repeated three times. God spoke to Peter. God spoke to Cornelius. Cornelius sent three men. Three times, three men, two witnesses. You know in 2 Corinthians 13.1 in Deuteronomy 19.15 it says, a case is established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You want to talk about New Testament and Old Testament? We find in the Old Testament a case has to be established by two or three witnesses. And God says, when two or more of you gather, I am there among you. God is always working more than you're aware of. Because he's got to honor his own laws. He's a just God. When God sends you, he isn't just dealing with you. Peter had no idea what Cornelius was seeing. Cornelius had no idea what Peter was seeing. But it was all confirmed when God sent Peter, when God sent Cornelius, when it all came together because there was no objection. They said yes. It all made sense. It was confirmed. And Peter's vision that he was perplexed on, it made sense the next day when he got to the house of people that he should have never associated with. God's not just dealing with you. He's dealing with, with other things you're not aware of that will be prepared for your yes, and you won't see it till you get there. God shows no favorites. It's not us and them. We are the people of God. And when God sends us, we've got to be ready to drop everything and be the church on fire that God wants and let, it, and let his headship rest on the body of Christ and go where he says go. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it will cost you, no matter what it will cost you reputa reputation, when God says go, go. In Deuteronomy 10, I want to read 12 through 21 really quick. And now Israel, and I read this because I just said, who is Israel? We. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, live in the way that pleases him, and love him, and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. You must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in and all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of his love. 
He chose you, their descendants above all nations, and it's evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God. He shows no partiality and he cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners. I'm just going to say that one more time. You too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God, worship him, cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. Justice, no partiality, love everyone. He alone is worthy. Love him, fear him, serve him, love him in a way that pleases him. That is the narrow gate. And Peter realizes the vision and hears the vision that Cornelius has. And he starts talking, wow, no favoritism. There's no, there's no us and them anymore. It's, it's us. It's the Lord of all. And in Acts chapter 10, the rest of the chapter, 37 through 48, Peter starts preaching. Because again, the whole reason that Peter was supposed to come, because God said, Peter's got a message for y'all. Peter didn't even know the message till he got there. Sometimes we spend too much time preparing for when we get there, not realizing that you won't get what you need till you get there. You know what happened throughout Judea, verse 37, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching the message of baptism? You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that jesus is the one appointed by god to be the judge of all the living and the dead he is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name and even as peter was saying these things the holy spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message in other words god interrupted the sermon the Jewish believers, verse 45, who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. You see what just happened there? They were like, oh, the Gentiles can get the gifts as well? I thought they were unclean. They're not Jewish. And they were like, they got the same gift we did. Verse 46. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have uh, received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders, orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked them to stay with them for several days. They saw in that moment that even the Gentiles were worthy of the gifts that the apostles and the Jewish believers received. In the middle of the message, God interrupted the sermon. You want to know why? Because Peter did what he needed to do so that God could do what he needed to do. When God sends you, it's not just about you. He sends you on an assignment for one purpose, that he would get glorified in all the people. Notice it says they were speaking in tongues and praising God. 
it doesn't say that they were giving messages of tongues to each other. They were giving a praise to God with the gift of tongues. In that moment, it was interrupted because the Jewish people who knew God saw Gentiles know God to a deeper level through the Son, Jesus. And because they began to know Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit fell upon them, just like the Jews who were ministering in the room. And they realized there's no favorites. There's no earning. You know, the, the, these people didn't have to earn a gift. They got it because of their own personal revelation of who God was. There's no, they're special in that. No, no, no. It's, he's the Lord of all. What's the qualification? Not that you're in church for 25 years. It's that you love him, you serve him, you enter in through the narrow gate. And when God sends you, you don't object. You say yes. No but first. No God that doesn't work for me like Peter started to do. No, 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 no. God says, you don't get to make that judgment call anymore. You cannot call unclean what I call clean. And sir, madam, boy, girl, I call you clean. So walk like it. Talk like it. Be it. And I want to close with this. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> Is this all right? It'd be okay. What's funny about all this is Peter was surprised to be in a Roman centurion's house. Because all this Gentiles and Jewish and clean and unclean. And Peter was surprised to end up with this guy, Cornelius, in a Roman centurion's home. But in Jesus' ministry, this is the passage I want to close with. I want you to check this out in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say, if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I have not seen faith like this and all of Israel. And I'll tell you this. Many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east to west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and feast in the kingdom of heaven. I guess Peter forgot this part. Because Jesus prophesied it. He said, y'all so hung up on Israel that y'all won't see the faith in the Gentiles. And they're going to come sit at this table just like y'all do. And the man with the most faith was a Roman soldier just like Cornelius who understood one thing that they could not grasp yet, kingdom. You know what the Roman soldier got? 
All I need is a representation of who you are. Because when God sends someone or even just sends a word, there's power in that representation. The Roman soldier got it. The Roman soldier had some of faith. He, he said, I don't need you to come into my place. I just need you to send a word that represents you. That's all I need. And we pray all the time in church, God, come, come in this place. God is here. He's represented among his people. And we've got so many houses of worship praying, God, send revival. God, send the rain. God, send the fire. God, send, God, send, God, send. God, send your power. Let the power fall from heaven and let the power come. Let the... We've got all the power we need. You want to know why we're not seeing the power of God manifest in the church? Because Jesus is saying, I'll read it again. Boxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests. But I've got nowhere to place my head. You know why we're not seeing the power? It's because the body is not under the headship and authority of him. And if we would get there, we would realize if we represent him, we have all we need. If we would just start walking through the gate. If we would just become a people when God says go, there's no but first, there's no hesitation. We just say yes. So let's start representing him. Let's, let's, let's be ready. Let's be a church so on fire that no matter what he calls us to do or what he calls us to leave or where he calls us to go, if it looks like the most confusing place and circumstances or path, we say yes. If that's you, just, just say it at home. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We will go where you want us to go. I want to pray that over you as we close tonight. Lord, I, I just thank you for everyone watching. I just speak over every single uh, person watching this live stream or on the replay or whatever it is. That God, we be open to when, 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 when you when you send us, when you give us a word, when you when you tell us to go, that we will be a people that say yes, Lord, and in agreement. Everyone on the everyone watching, say it with me. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. That when you send us, we're going. We're going to leave everything behind. We're not going to worry about uh, what's behind us or carrying stuff with us. We just want you. And we're not going to call ourselves unclean anymore. We're not going to say we're not worthy anymore. I just speak that over you. Stop accepting the idea that you're not worthy. You are worthy under his blood, under his covenant, under his protection. He, if he calls you clean, there ain't nothing you can do about it. There's only one thing you can do. Start walking in it. And being clean is a narrow path but you cannot call yourself something that God has made clean. Don't call yourself unclean. He made you right.